I hope it's good. I want it to be good. We all want things. Here's our splooge on the screen. Yeah. And good luck, everybody. Four words. Keep it to yourself. Exactly. How about that? That's it. Oh, no, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets so much worse. Fans, wigs, whatever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Silky Ganache just, like, was the messiest queen in a lip sync I have ever seen. There's poop and pee everywhere, and the actress had done nothing to clean it up. Surprise! like men have a hard time having orgasms. If, if y'all have seen DJ Khaled do something else, please let me know. I saw him that's hold saw. onto the back of a golf cart once. Did you? I did. The, the second gag of the episode, oh. I was so excited by that I had to go take a shit. The, the teams that were playing last night mm -hmm. were somebody and then the team from Las Vegas. This is it. This is wigs and white. Is this what you pictured? Um... <laughs> Hi, Wigs. Hi, Wigs. Yeah. Wow. We're back, and it's been less than a week. I'm like Surprise. one of those um, car wash. He's doing things. the car wash. Um, blow the, up. Yeah, you know those things, like the balloons yeah. that go, they're not at a car wash. Yeah, it's outside of car washes. They're not outside of car wash. They're outside of car dealership. Car washes, too. Car wash your face. Hey guys, yeah. hey guys, wait. This is a test of the emergency broadcast six system. That's the third time you've done that joke and you This is it up. only a test. Oh, oh god. So I am no longer doing this podcast. Um, I'm going to move on with my life. That was a great joke. And granted, it was the third time Lindsay heard it, but it was the first time you heard it. Okay. Hi, Wigs. Lucky you guys. Sorry, I have to take a drink of water. I'm going to have a sip of my cold brew. Must be nice. Must be nice being able to have cold brew. You can't have cold brew right now? I mean, I could, but there's so much caffeine in cold brew. Oh, yeah. Also... I did add water I, and cream, so grr. okay. Then that would cold brew makes me like cracked out. Yeah, I got yeah. one yesterday. Okay, this is already boring, but I got one yesterday, Dunkin' Donuts. That was like the like big gulp of cold brew. <laughs> Mama, oh she flew. <laughs> she flew. She flew. She flew. She flew, and she shit everywhere. Listen, I mean, you can take your you take your um, fun where you can get it right now, and mine is in giant vats of cold brew from Dunkin Donuts that's still serving I get it right um yesterday Josh and I were also uh this is so boring great start yeah we, we know, should guys. we should tell everybody this is Wigs and Weiss I'm Paul Kroos I'm Lindsay Harbert Silverman uh <laughs> <laughs> Josh and I were taking our third walk of the day yesterday because that's what we do with our time and um I was like do you know it'd be an amazing treat tomorrow if during one of our walks we went to M Street and I was like, maybe, you know, maybe we shouldn't risk it, but we could get like a coffee to go and then walk with a coffee. And yeah, that's that's just like that would be the highlight of my week if we do that sometime. This so is I mean, I'm gonna <laughs> edit in the theme music from Schindler's list behind that because that does sound <laughs> as sad. As but, but listen, what we have to remember is like Jews during the Holocaust <laughs> were hiding in boxes for months at a time. So 
slightly different varying degrees of suffering. Yeah. We do not mean yeah. to make light of the Holocaust at all. No. No. That's not what we do here on Weeks and Mice, so we apologize no. already. Um, we do put our foot in our mouths, so there's oh, that. <laughs> and that's why you love us. I never um, said that. But we are back. We're very excited to be back sooner than usual um, with lots more fun to share with you today. Lindsay and I both have brought pop culture itch scratches today. For sure. Which is really exciting. I also want to pitch the idea of um, while we're in lockdown, a new segment could be Corona No She Better Don't. <laughs> I think I already have a candidate. If, I, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm hearing you correctly, what does corona, corona She Better Don't mean? Corona no she better don't. Corona no she better don't. Okay. Is um basically like any dire corona news, COVID-19 news goes there. Not dire, but like a new annoyance from COVID or so and so got diagnosed and no she better don't take that person. That kind of thing. Okay. I thought it was going to be somebody who was acting out during the uh, experience because I got a Corona. She better know. <laughs> oh no, sorry, Corona. No, it should not be Corona. She better don't. <laughs> no, it's Corona. No, she better don't. <laughs> you did say pitch on it. I'm just saying. I didn't say pitch on it. Did uh, I say pitch on you it? said. I believe you said you had a, something to pitch. Yes. Well, but, but I didn't say you could pitch. On. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, I'm in for it. I'll make a sound effect. Um, do you have something in that realm? I do. Well, let's get give me it. Give me, give me. So uh I know last week I was complaining about um everything. Celebrities getting tested when they have like a slight cough. But we also mentioned the Cuomo brothers and how they are giving us life right now. Uh Man. the Cuomo brothers consist of Chris Cuomo, who is an anchor on CNN, I think. Yes. And Andrew Cuomo, who is his brother, and he is the governor of New York State, who's doing a great job dealing with, you know, everything that's happening there. I uh, saw his address to the um, healthcare workers. That was, like, incredible. Yeah, he's really, I mean, I know there have been some complaints about him as governor in general before all this happened, but I feel like he's really stepping up and... I ha he's also in my flipped wigs this week. Okay. Um, but it was just announced this morning that Chris Cuomo has tested positive for coronavirus. I heard that. Um, but his symptoms are minimal, and he's going to continue to do his uh, show at home. So, Corona, no, you better don't take some Chris Cuomo, because we need him in our lives. Um, secondly, <laughs> this is on a slightly smaller level of a corona no she better don't um there's still no toilet paper anywhere really yeah we're down to six rolls so we'll be fine for like a week so this is a more personal situation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i don't want to have to go from like store to store looking for it no you and shouldn't thought, exactly and i thought um i was gonna like poop your pants by uh, getting the eco-friendly toilet paper that um, Allie and John get, which is... I can already tell that shit is probably not good for shit. Well, no, it, actually, I've used it at their house, and it's totally good. It's just you have to, you know, buy it from a website, and then it comes. And oh. I'm like, I'm going to... That's what I'm going to get. 
and everything is sold out. They don't have any. They don't have any toilet paper. <laughs> it's not funny. Sorry, I'm not laughing. It's crazy. <laughs> These bitches are like Can in you their buy regular toilet paper. What? Can't you just buy regular toilet paper for now, or do you? There's no toilet paper <laughs> anywhere, Paul. I don't know what you're not understanding. There's I feel no like Amazon. somebody told There's me recently no there was some at Ralph's. We went to Rite Aid because I had to get a prescription filled, uh, and there was no toilet paper there. They're also buying up baby wipes. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, like you so just yeah. referred to them as they, as though you're not part yeah. of the collective they. <laughs> I'm not buying up toilet paper. This toilet paper is left over from the last time I bought it. You didn't buy any I toilet paper when you thought this was all going to go to sh- sugar? There wasn't any, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I hear you. So anyway, I'm ready for toilet paper to be back in stock. Corona, she better don't. Oh my God. <laughs> corona, no, she better don't. <laughs> um, okay, my corona, she, corona, no, she better don't. I said it there right. There you go. Um, is, um, yeah, you know what? This is when it's going to be a cork, but we're not going to do corks. I'm going to just put it here instead. So I have noticed, as I'm sure everyone who is on social media has noticed, that um, memes about the coronavirus are how a lot of us are getting through, right? Like, a, and a lot of them are very funny. I'm not speaking yeah. ill of like a good coronavirus joke at all. It's it's humor at a time where we all need to laugh as a group. The one thing I'm not really big fond of is that it's starting to turn into where meme shaming, where like some people are posting memes that are like making fun of people that are overposting or going on lives more than ever. Like I read one that was like, my friend works at the CDC said to stop posting those nominate challenges on your Instagram story immediately. And to that, I say, I get it. Um, There are a lot of people doing push-up challenges and there are people doing like, you know, all sorts of things that are- Doesn't the CDC have bigger things to worry about than people posting challenges on Instagram? That was the joke. Um, yeah, I know. It wasn't a good joke to begin with. I know. So that was the joke. Um, I also listened to the read last week and Kid Fury was like ranting about people doing like all their workouts and all this stuff. And I know that that is out there and happening. But my feeling is this, like, right, we are all social people and we are all distanced. If we are responsible people, which there are many people who are not, but if we're responsible people, we are keeping apart at the time. Uh, for the time being and whatever your coping mechanism might be during this time like let it be and if it is a push-up challenge if it is posting that stew you made for dinner last night if it is potentially your pet in the middle of a flower bed if it is um halls of vintage items that you have from london on a trip you might have gone on (laughs) that you went on and did live so be it because at the end of the day like we're all just looking for the validation and like sort of the that feeling that like we did something that we're not we're getting anymore connection. yeah and we're looking for connection so if 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 you're getting that in some way on social media like by all means why are we being um shady towards that and shaming of that and to that i would also say you realize that you don't have to watch that stuff, right? (laughs) Like if you're on Instagram, you are, you're looking for a time wasting opportunity as well. And just because somebody decided to put out something that you didn't like, you could 
unfollow them at any point. And yeah, use that shit. Yeah, you can be done with that. So meme shaming, that's my oh no sh- corona, she better don't today. Um I totally I mean I'm certainly posting more on Instagram than I ever have. Me too. Would I post the cookies that I made every day? No. no. Would I post the fact that I'm wearing compression socks with slippers and looking like a fool? No. And you know what, but Lindsay? When I see your posts, I do with this. I smile. Me too. And me too. So, when I see your posts, I do with that uh, this too. And, I, and you and I have people in our lives, we have to own that, like, we don't love what they put out there. I and what do we do? Me. We either unfollow we them, them or we talk shit about them behind other backs. Exactly. <laughs> we don't post about it. <laughs> Listen, just because they're not as funny as us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway. Corona, she better no, know. She better don't. <laughs> okay. Um, do you want to do, why don't you start with your itch scratch if you'd like? Okay, cool. So um, I don't know what Paul's doing his on, but I knew he was doing an itch scratch. It is a little weird. This doesn't affect people listening, but I'm going to say it for Paul's benefit going from like the screen that I see you on to my outline, but we'll just deal with it. If I go cross-eyed, make sure to screen cap that shit. I will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I decided, I couldn't remember if, I think we talked about uh, Dixie Chicks releasing their first single in like 14 years. Yes. Um, I brought up, I I was like, they should put out the album. Don't delay the album, Dixies. Put it out. We need it. Exactly. So their new album is due May 1st. It is produced, right? Yes, May 1st. Uh, They dropped. The craziest thing is Gaslighter, their first single from the same uh, titled album, which is due May 1st. When do you think that they dropped that off the top of your head, Paul? I think they dropped Gaslighter a month ago. It was this month. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> it was March 4th. Nope. It seems like February 1st. I know. I know. When I looked it up today, I was like, holy shit. That was this month. <laughs> Actually, I have to say, um, it, like will always remind me, you know, music, you actually told me this once that like music can tie you so much to a moment. Yeah. You remember when you said that life hack, that was like, if you listen to an album on vacation, you'll always think about vacation on that album. I've yes. got, I, that is the, one of the best life hacks I've ever, I feel like I've talked about that so many times on this podcast, but it's still very true. But um, we had Jay and our friends, Jay and Nick and Emily and Jamie over for Jay's birthday the Friday before he we went to quarantine and mm-hmm. watched, um, the JLo halftime, JLo Shakira halftime show, Beyonce's halftime show, and then like blasted Gaslighter and just danced in the living room. And it's the last time I have been oh with people. And so Gaslighter has a special place in my heart for a number of reasons, but you tell me what you want. When humanity could still Ugh, be dance together. together. Yes. We will dance together once again. Yes, we um, will. But inspired by Gaslighter and um, the chicks and fingers crossed, we can look forward to an album May 1st, which I also feel like May might be a month where things are starting to make more sense. Lies, baby. Lies. Based on nothing. But that's kind of like, okay, we know we're going to be quarantined through April. Let's, Let's hope that May 
they know more about the virus and we can kind of uh, at least wrap our heads around it a little bit more. So I really hope that we can also just like dive into a Dixie Chicks album. <laughs> um, with that said, I'm going to dive into their first single and talk about the subject matter. Um, so as the story goes, one of the reasons the Chicks have failed to release n- new um, music in the last couple of years, of course, they were on, you know, Lover. Uh, they showed up at the CMTs with Beyonce because, of course, when Beyonce tells you to do something, you do it. Uh, <laughs> so they've been around. They also toured recently um, a couple years ago, I guess. Uh And so they've been active, but one of the reasons they haven't really released new music is because that new music has been kind of caught up in the legal battle that is Natalie Maine and her now ex-husband, Adrian, uh, what the fuck's his name? Pazdar? Yes. I want to say Grenier, but he's the other dork that is named Adrian. I'm just going to call him John Hamm Light or other (laughs) versions of that. Because he's like, you look at him and he's like, you're like, oh, he's that guy. Yeah. But he looks like a broke version of John Hamm. Yeah. And probably the reason he didn't have a super successful career is because there's already John Hamm. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to refer to him as that now. Okay. Uh, so they got married in 2000 in Las Vegas and they seemed happy for a while. But in 2017, Natalie filed for divorce, citing irreconcilable differences. Um, They didn't say exactly what happened behind their divorce, but I think we can look into some Gaslighter lyrics to get a couple clues. So I'm going to go through what I feel like are the most important lyrics of the song. You're a detective. Thank you. (laughs) And then we're going to break that down to, you know, say what I think happened in their marriage and why he's a super duper scumbag. That's all that matters. Exactly. So uh, the lyrics are as follows. We moved to California and we followed your dreams. I believed in the promises you made me. Swore that night uh, till death do us part, but you lied, 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 lied. Yep. Hollywood welcomed you with open arms. No matter what they gave you, you still wanted more. Gaslighter, you broke me. You're sorry, but where's my apology? Gaslighter, you liar. You thought I wouldn't see it if you put it in my face. Give you all the money. You'll gladly walk away. You think think it's justifiable. I think it's pretty cruel. And you know you lie best when you lie to you. Because, boy, you know exactly what you did on my boat. I need to know what happened on that boat. (laughs) I need to know what happened on that boat. And boy, that's exactly why you ain't coming home. Save your tired stories for your new someone else. Gaslighter, you broke me. You're sorry, but where's my apology? Standing right here until you see how you broke me. Yeah, I'm broken. You're still sorry and still no apology. Okay. So I think we Spoken can Spoken word may not be your line of work, but I appreciate <laughs> hearing those words spoken. I just wanted to make sure that it is just a very clear... It's clear. ...representation. My testicles have gone inside my body right now, but it was clear. Then I guess I'm really good at spoken <laughs> word, bitch. Um, so basically, I think we can all agree that um, Broken John Ham fucked somebody on Natalie Maine's boat. And he was probably being shady in their relationship 
the entirety of it, using her money to wine and dine other women and gaslighting her the whole time saying like, it's all in your head. I would never do that. She got some full on proof and she was like, get the fuck out of my house. I'm divorcing your ass. So when she decided to do that, Adrian was not happy about it. I mean, broke John Hammond. Hammond. Of course the, I think the gardeners are here. So sorry if it gets like loud. I can't hear it on my um, side. Okay, great. BJM. So, um, BJ once the, what? I was trying to come up with an acronym. BJH is probably the best way to just, Broken John Ham, right? Yeah, BJH, Broken John Ham. Um, so when the divorce started, they had gotten married in Vegas and they had signed a prenuptial agreement because Natalie was worth much more money than BJH was worth. Yeah, do you remember where she was in her career? At like had they put they must have put out wide open spaces. I think by two I think they had been like on a level for a while because their like heyday. I feel like wide open spaces was like ninety seven. What what year did you say they got married? Two thousand two thousand. Two thousand, okay. Yeah, I'm looking real quick to confirm, but keep going, sorry. But I think outside of like touring and whatnot, I think she was worth like 50 mil when they got married. Ooh. Something, yeah. yeah. They had put like, out she, wide open spaces and fly. So yeah, yeah so that was like mind. the chick's heyday. Um, and obviously when you sign a prenuptial agreement, it protects all the money that you had made before entering the relationship. The money that you make after entering the relationship is kind of up for, you know, up for grabs when a divorce happens. But Adrian tried, or BGH, (laughs) tried to say that their prenup was invalid. He was under duress when he signed it. And so when they went to court to finalize their divorce agreement, this is what that bitch asked for. He requested 16K a month in child support. (laughs) along with 44K a month in spousal support. I love that and he gets more than the kids get. I know, right? <laughs> um, and he wanted his $350,000 in attorney fees paid for because his argument, which to me, I don't know, maybe I'm missing something, but I don't feel like it holds water. But he thinks that he is due all of these things because he argued that during their marriage, Natalie paid for the mortgage, the majority of family expenses, <laughs> travel, and vacations. In other words, boy lived off Natalie's money and doesn't want it to go away. Sounds about right. And doesn't want to get a gerb or any of that stuff. He just wants to not be married to her anymore and still have the benefits of being married to her. One thing I will say, though, is marriage story taught me that whatever, whoever in the marriage that is making more money at the time is seems to be expected to pay for the other person's attorney. Didn't he, didn't his attorney come to him and be like, you're probably going to have to pay for her attorney fees. Yes. So in this case, I mean, clearly B J H is not making any money right now. And so he's like, he's asking for the moon. And that's the thing with these gaslighting motherfuckers is of course they're going to ask because they're assholes. And like, and in his mind, I'm sure he's like, "Well, I earned it." Yeah, definitely. But you didn't earn anything. No, you would still be married if you earned being the privilege of being her husband and all the benefits that come along with it. And I bet you that when they were on tour, like 
he was just doing the nastiest, nastiest stuff. Because, oh. like, imagine having a, like, someone who is already you're resentful of, who is, like, killing it, and then they're out of the house for, like, 200-some-odd days a year. You Like, that right. motherfucker was fucking everything. Everything. Um, so... This is all conjecture. <laughs> I know. <laughs> good, good to say that. But, right. Um, but after, in my opinion, what seemed to happen is that his argument that the prenup was not valid didn't pan out in um, uh, court. So when that when it didn't, the little vindictive BJH requested access to the chick's unreleased music saying that it probably violated the NDA that was included in the prenup. So basically he was like, okay, if you're going to say that the prenup is valid and I'm not going to get any money, then I'm since I can't go after this money, I'm going to go after her art and her future money. Wow. So wait, um, say that again. In the prenup, there was an NDA that said yes. that they would not talk about anything within the body of the marriage. Yes, which means Ooh. because she writes songs based on what's going on in her life. Right. He knew that her music was going to talk about their breakup. That is devious and honestly a little brilliant. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> but all that we know is they came to a settlement in December of 2019 and they are officially divorced and we are getting Dixie Chicks music. So she must have paid her. I mean, we don't know what the agreement is, but I'm sure she's paying him some money um hopefully not as much as he was asking for because nobody needs 60k a month in my opinion i mean i would love to have 60k a month but you don't need that to survive right and hopefully part of this agreement is like here is your flat fee for all this like artistic um inspiration you gave me right. because like one of the craziest things that i remember reading years ago is that there was a a song that Sarah McLachlan put on her album, Fumbling Towards Ecstasy, called Possession. It's an incredible mm -hmm. song. And it was written um, based on her experience with a stalker who was sending her, like, threatening letters. Oh, I remember when she had a stalker. Yes. And she used some of the words that he wrote in these threatening letters in the body of the song. She said, it's that song that's, I will be the one to hold you down, kiss your soul, I'll take your breath away. Like threatening, menacing mm -hmm. words that she turned into like a cathartic anthem to move beyond it. That motherfucker sued her for it. copyright infringement. Yes, he did. And I'm 99% sure he won. So like, this is not something that is unprecedented. You can right. really fucked up shit. And, and as an artist, like, of course, you're going to find inspiration and like try to find yeah. a way to, to crystallize that and make it something else rather than it be trauma. And then that person comes back and it's like, oh, can I have my cheddar now? Like, we co-wrote right. this? No, that's so no. messed up. <laughs> oh, people are horrible. In any case, I am just like drooling um, waiting for May 1st for a variety of reasons, but <laughs> mostly <laughs> for the Dixie Chicks album so we can learn all the hot goss about Broken John Ham and Natalie Maine's messy, messy divorce. And of course, I hope that she came out on top and that motherfucker has to like go get a regular bro job because there's already a John Hamm. You yeah. Something tells me he is sitting pretty with whatever they got paid out, but... I'm sure. I'm but sure he's going to be just Maybe, fine. um, 
hopefully there'll be merchandise with all of the words on it so that it can yeah. give her money in perpetuity based on this horrible experience that she had to go through. Agreed. Um, that was awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad. Mine is um, entirely, actually, it's kind of similar than that men are horrible. Um, men in power are horrible, I would say. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, what might be surprising to you with this one is that I might be, I don't think that you're a huge fan of this movie, but I'm about to like mess with nerds appreciation for a classic film. Now, it's a film that I love. It would honestly maybe be in my top 10, maybe top 20 movies of all time. Oh, wow. It is a childhood favorite. I remember watching it and like being like, this, these are the movies I want to make someday. Like just caught me up in all like the sort of imagination and wonder of a world in the way that like Star Wars did for a lot of people, not for me. Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first okay. film in the Indiana Jones franchise. Have you seen it? I have. Okay. Have you seen it recently? I saw it for the first time probably about, I want to say, six years ago. Okay. Well, I might have to also jump onto a screen in a moment, so my eyes might go. You can take pictures of me if they do. Okay. Um, one of the main story points of Raiders of the Lost Ark is that he um, is paired up with a former flame by the name of Marion. Um, and she, at the beginning of the film, he meets her at a bar. She's cleaning up a bar. Somebody comes in and is looking for an artifact and there's a big fight and she ends up having the artifact. Indiana Jones is there as well. And it's set and says this like classic line where he's like, he realizes she has the artifact and she's like, I'm your damn partner now. And like shows the artifact slow fade into them going on the adventure together. Mm-hmm. They establish in that scene, now I'm going to hop over for a moment, that they have a history. They've known each other in the past. Um, they do this by, um, I'm going to read you the dialogue right now. Indiana walks into the bar and says, hello, Marion. Marion responds, Indiana Jones, I always knew someday you'd come walking back through my door. I never doubted that. Something made it inevitable. So what are you doing here in Nepal? Indiana says, I need one of the pieces your father collected. Marion sucker punches. No, it's not a sucker punch. She hits him in the face. Um, right cross to the jaw. Marion says, I've learned to hate you in the last 10 years. Indiana says, I never meant to hurt you. Marion says, I was a child. I was in love. It was wrong and you knew it. Indiana responds, you knew what you were doing. Marion responds, now I do. This is my place. Get out. So that's how the dialogue goes on in the actual film itself. I read this maybe like a year or so ago and I was actually gonna do it in scratch and I think we ended up like not recording or whatever. And I'm glad I remembered how fucked up this is because I went back and found the article again. And somebody, um, I'd say maybe like four or five years ago, found some story meeting transcripts of when George Lucas, Steven Spielberg and Frank, Kennedy, I believe his name is. I'm sure I get this right before I go. Um, nope, sorry, Lawrence Kasdan. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just being bros, shooting the shit about the story points of Indiana Jones, where we get a little depth on uh, exactly what that dialogue, the deeper meaning of that dialogue, insofar as in what went into the film itself, that's all we get. So, like, let's just say 
that you'd have to imply pretty, it's a little problematic, but there's not a lot there. Um, you could, you could imagine that, like, you could imagine just to be kind that like Indiana was like a, a, a guy that he, that she knew at a young age and he, and she was like in love with him and he was like, ah, kid, get out of here. That's not what the story points. Oh, I'm gonna say that's not how I took it at all. Well, yeah, and that's I'm being very kind. Right. That's just if you were just going off the film. So in the story point meeting, there's just a transcript of George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Lawrence Kasdan. George Luke, I'll just say Lucas, Kasdan, Spielberg. Lucas. I was thinking that this old guy could have been his mentor. So he's talking about um, Indiana at a younger age had a mentor. He could have known this little girl when she was just a kid, had an affair with her when she was 11. What? He continues, he hasn't seen her in 12 years. Now she's 22. It's a real strange relationship. Spielberg then- By the way, 11 plus 12 is 23. I, the bro. math is so far off. Like it's, it's, it's really messed up in this, but bear with me. You'll get the- <laughs> Spielberg then pipes up and says, she had better be older than 22. Don't give him too okay. much credit yet. Lucas says he's 35 and he knew her 10 years ago when he was 25 and she was only 12. It would be amusing to make her slightly young at the time. Slightly young? Wait for it. 12 and slightly young? Wait for it. Spielberg says, and promiscuous, she came on to him. Lucas responds, 15. Oh. No, wait, this is the worst. Okay, ready? Lucas responds, 15 is right on the edge. I know it's an outrageous idea, but it is interesting. Once she's 16 or 17, it's not interesting anymore. But if, oh! <laughs> but if she was 15 and he was 25 and they actually had an affair the last time they met and she was madly in love with him, dot, 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 and that's where it ends. So if you're confused about what I'm saying, listen very carefully. I quit this bitch. So, creep, creep, creep. I don't think Lawrence Kasdan actually spoke up through any of that. So he's, he was there. But George Lucas and Steven Spielberg thought at the time that was going to be real cute for this promiscuous, which is also like, ew, don't describe a 15-year-old as promiscuous in the context no. well, of... At first, at first, they described a 12-year-old as promiscuous, <laughs> which is insanity. And then to go on and make it sound like it's not interesting if she's close enough to actually like that 16 and 17 is still non-consensual, but that's not, that's not racy enough. That's not fascinating enough that this would happen. And they actually did it. Like they, he, 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 he did not just like come in and, and wink at her. He might have had sex with her when she was 15 years old and yeah. then exploits that to keep her, in this mission that they go on, and then they end up together at the end of the movie. And at the beginning of the movie, she says, what you did was wrong. I didn't realize it was wrong at the time, but now I realize it's wrong. Right. Let's go on this romantic romp. Yeah. Right now. (laughs) And it could have been, like, if anything, I mean, we're doing a lot of revisionist history here, but like, she could have been like this, like, I have the artifact. The only way I'm getting like whatever paid or whatever is going to come out of this because you're, you're Indiana Jones and you know who wants it is if you're coming with me, I'm using you, and then I'm going to kill you at the end. Right. 
for raping me. <laughs> different movie, um, slightly different movie. Slightly different movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so wow. hopefully I just didn't ruin India. I mean, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark, great film, but problematic. Everything's problematic now. That's why you listen to us. I mean, that, yeah. I wouldn't that's say that big that time is, problematic. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not just something that became problematic now. No, that like, was always bad. Yeah. It's just so odd that they would think that, uh, first of all, for, first of all, first of first all, of all. <laughs> George Lucas pitched her at age 11 first. That a twenty that you could conceptualize that a twenty five year old would fall in love with an eleven year old child, and that's just not straight up pedophilia. Mm-hmm. It's insanity to me. And like, that they thought from like her, like that would be what was the word they used? Like interesting. interesting. That's more interesting than like sixteen, seventeen. Amusing. It would I mean, be amusing. amusing that uh, he's a pedophile. Yeah. So. Uh, whew, that was that was a roller coaster. Well, of- just another day in uh, privileged oh. white men doing nasty things. Yeah, and not having anybody put them in check and say that's bad. What'd you hear? My dog outside. Do I have to listen to this? Um, do you want to flip your wig? Let's flip our wig. Okay. It's time to flip your wig. Because there is stuff to be happy about. There is. Um, it's a little difficult because I've only been watching like two things lately. But Well, talk about it. Um, I will. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I have a good amount of them, so why don't we start? And a lot of them are drag-related. Um, oh, great. First and foremost... I have four, but none of them are drag-related. Okay. First and foremost, do you know about Leslie Jones after the show coming for Britta? No. Oh, thank God. First of all, because if you had and you had not sent me this, I would be reconsidering our friendship. Second of all, now I get to share it with you That's very live exciting. on Zoom. So I'm going to play you the audio. I'm going to unplug and hopefully... Is this an untucked or... No, this is like Britta... Britta. Leslie, for all of you who are not watching Drag Race, Leslie Jones guested, uh, guest judged, and was maybe the best guest judge in the history of the show. She was. I'm not usually a, just a fan of Leslie Jones. I wouldn't say that I'm like, oh, a stan of hers. Now I am. Yes. Because the level of excitement and pure giddiness that she brought to that judge's table, I was just like, oh, bitch knows what's up. (laughs) (laughs) And she really has such an appreciation for every single, like, frame and bite and, like, just thing that happens on that show. She knows it all. She loves it. She's such a fan. And um, she's all of us. And I love her even more now because she sees one of the the only Drag Race contestant that I don't like this season. And that's including, like, Aiden Zane I don't like and I don't think will win, but I don't dislike Aiden as a person. Um, right. I'm tired of her excuses, but sure. I agree. But Britta, one of the other queens, is someone who, like, I I know she's getting a villain's edit, and that's to be counted for. 
but like I really, really don't like this queen. And so um, Leslie clocked it as well. As she was watching her own episode, she started streaming, I believe on Instagram or on whatever platform she was using, with commentary. And I'm going to try to unplug right in my headphones and let me know if you, give me a thumbs up if you can hear it and I'll just keep it playing, okay? Okay. Work in the same industry, y'all shouldn't be hating on each other. This is gonna be interesting. Ain't nobody shook by your dumb ass. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you fooled me, Britta. I thought you was nice. Okay, like Britta. Okay, I, you fooled me, Britta. I just thought you was gonna be so sweet and positive, but you is a shady ass bitch. Use the shady <laughs> like, and then what's so fucked up is it all these people ain't gonna see this until this air, so they're gonna see how shady your ass was. I hope, I hope you different because you shady. Well, your ass can't dance. You, you keep talking about all this bullshit you doing, you ain't did nothing yet. <laughs> Please, oh my god, slap the shit out that motherfucker, slap him, Ross. Oh my god. Nope. See? Britta getting on my motherfucking nerves. That's bullshit. So why you need anybody to lead you? Just do your own fucking thing. Britta just got too much to fucking say, bitch. Exactly. You not be, and then y'all jumping on her and like ganging up on her. Fuck y'all. Fuck, fuck them. Y'all shady. Y'all shady ass bitches. Shady ass bitches. Shady ass bitches. Britta, shady ass queen. Shady ass queen. I fucking didn't know. I didn't know. If I would have known when I was there, I would have had to let you know that you a shady ass queen. Whatever. Whatever, shade. Bye, shade. Bye, shady. You loud and aggressive, bitch. I don't like (laughs) that's it (laughs) I thought I couldn't love Leslie Jones more that is unadulterated Rita shade and I could listen to it and just like sit like simmer in a stew of it and uh, like I know that there's two sides to every story and she is getting it at it but she just seems so self like it seems like she's insecure um and she's taking all of her insecurities out on Aiden and that's what I think gets under my skin is that like we have we have watched queens in the past who they like we kind of demonize them because they self-sabotage and they like they pick on themselves and they get really insecure and I always feel for those queens like I think Bonina I would even say some might argue not like, but the Vixen to me at the end of the day, like Vixen, she, she was loud and she came for people, but it's still like, it, it, it was not picking apart other people's things. Um, Even Evie, Evie, I listened to on, um, on uh, the official drag race podcast a couple weeks ago. And she assesses now she looks back and she's like, once I knew I was doing well in the competition, I started telling other queens what I thought about them because I thought that I was like helping and I know that my tone now was not right. 
Um, and that was like kind of cool to hear because I do think that that was like some perspective. So maybe there's an opportunity here for Britta to see herself like there this I don't want this by and like there's so many people that come out when they see Queens acting a certain way with the hate and all this stuff. And I'm sure Britta's getting it right now. And I don't want to pile on that. I'm sure Leslie's not helping in that. Um, but uh, I had to share that because it's epic and legendary <laughs> at the same time. And Leslie gave no fucks. Yes. And I, I appreciate an unfiltered celebrity, yeah. uh, especially when it's something that I'm interested yes. in. And honestly, like, this is um, all part of the gig. You're on a reality show. You have to be open to the edit you're going to get and the yeah. criticism. Do not make death threats. Do not send them fuck yourself and your horrible face. Like, shit like that is, goes too far. You can be on a podcast yeah. and throw shade. That's fine. <laughs> That's the rule. That's the line. <laughs> I would never... Well, I guess. I guess need. Oh, it keeps happening. I'll have That's a sneeze and it'll be like right there and then it doesn't go through. Come through sneeze. <laughs> um, yeah, we talk, we talk yeah. shit, but we're, we're never, we also understand that there's a human yes. there and we would never say like, fuck your mother or whatever. Fuck your drag, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck your drag. How about that? Your turn. Um, my turn. So my first one this is just something cute that came out of the quarantine. It's a cute routine. Um, but you all get to see Lindsay's face. It was so cute. <laughs> so Demi Lovato, who also should be dropping a new album soon, she had her first single come out. Um, she's getting back into the spotlight after her drug overdose last year. Happy to see her. You know, I'm I'm not like a a lobotic or whatever her stands are called. I don't think they're called lobotics, but. <laughs> um, but I think she's very talented and I like how candid she is with uh, her mental health struggles and her struggles with substance abuse and all those things. Um, and she does have a bop here and there. There's one song that Josh is obsessed with. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. But no, anyway. She does have some bops for sure. For sure. So um, there have been rumors that she's dating this guy. Um, he's an actor. His name is Max. I thought I put it here. He's like a, I don't know. He's That's an, an interesting name. Max, I thought I put it here. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. know, right? It, I could have sworn I wrote it down. I guess I didn't. Pregnancy brain, guys. <laughs> um, so they have been like flirty on the gram and that kind of thing um but have not confirmed anything about them dating well then max i thought i put his name here <laughs> went live on insta and uh he was playing piano for his fans and she comes up behind him and like gives him a little hug and you just see him go, I'm on live. And she doesn't hear him. And she's like, hmm. And he goes, I'm on live. And then she immediately covers her face with her sweatshirt and backs <laughs> away slowly. That's cute. Of course. Adorable. And it was like, it was a very sweet moment of her just like wanting to give her boo a hug while he's playing piano, not realizing there was an audience of how many people watching from home. That is cute. Um, and the look that she gave him was so sweet and so, like, loving. And obviously, she's very much, like, in it with this guy. So it was just really cute to catch them in that little moment. And looks like they're quarantining together. So good for good them. Good for them. And I will say, I have not been a lovatic, as you called them. 
Um, I do like a lot of her bops, but she also, see, there's something about her that just rubs me the wrong way, but I'm going to put this out there. In 2020, everyone gets a restart, reboot, except yeah. for Britta, because yeah. um, she did this in 2020. <laughs> well, actually, she did it in 2019. All right, so Britta, you got a reboot, too. Everyone gets a reboot, and I'm going to... What about Sherry oh, Pie? No, no, Sherry Pie. Well, she did her shit in 2019. No, when, it's, when it comes to sexual assault... It came, it came out in 2020, yeah. though. So, so no, no Sherry Pie. But, well, let's give Demi a restart, Control-Alt-Delete, and let's start from scratch. And go for her. Um, speaking of people who, let's give them a control alt delete. Did you see the Lindsay Lohan news that broke today? <laughs> I did not. I'm so happy that there's some Lilo there news. There is some Lilo news, although no one seems to get what it is yet, except <laughs> <laughs> that's what's great about Lindsay is she put out a teaser on Twitter. It's a 30-second video that's a bunch of TVs with different projections on it. And it's her kind of out and about being wild, which is also, read the room, Lindsay. <laughs> um, it's her yeah. with the dance, like that's from a while ago. But then there's some new footage that looks like a choreographed dance. And we may be getting some new music from Lindsay because she's saying, yeah. I'm back. It's like, I don't know if you ever have officially left. You've just not been popular. Um, right. And... Uh, she is there. She's been saying that there's a, 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 a single called Xanax. And that's what we is might it, be getting. Isn't Billie Eilish? I can't hear you anymore. <laughs> I didn't do anything. What happened? <laughs> oh, no. There we go. Oh, I, I can't hear you now. Yeah. We were going um, remarkably free of technical issues. We had to. <laughs> I know. I'm like, no, what happened? Yeah, um, she has, I, I guess it's a music video for a song called Xanax from Lindsay Lohan. Okay. Yeah, why I'm not? In. You know, Control out to leave. I will, I'll spend my time in quarantine listening to a Lilo yeah. album, or it probably will never come to fruition because I feel like that's kind of her vibe. Yeah. Um, but I it's guess her, we'll see. Well, no, no, no beach clubs are open, but especially hers. Did it ever, like, did it close officially? I think it's... <laughs> <closed, but> Sorry. <laughs> everybody, everybody <laughs> just stop listening to this podcast. It's not contagious. Uh, I, I think her beach club closed. Her show definitely yeah. got canceled. If the beach club went the same way, I'm not sure, but... All right, yeah, Lilo. Your turn. Um, as promised, I'm going to talk about Andrew Cuomo. Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned, and no, Corona, no, she better don't. I don't know why that's so hard for you. So it just rolls off the tongue. Corona, she better um, don't. God. <laughs> so as I mentioned last week, one of my concerns with being pre pregnant during the pandemic is that I would have to labor and birth without my husband by my side, which is just something that I really, really don't want to have to do. Um, I think that he should be able to meet his son um, the same time I do. And uh, I think that I'm going to need him by my side while going through one of the biggest moments of my life. So. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but you just froze. Pregnant was kind of looking at New York City. <laughs> Surprise! Oh, it says my my connection's unstable. Can you 
Is it better? You're fine now, but it was like this peak moment of just like, I don't want to be alone and just silence. And I was like, well, I'm going to sound like an asshole because I'm not saying okay. anything. <laughs> okay, keep going. Sorry. And people were looking at New York City as kind of like the barometer of what could happen nationwide once like we hit the peak. Um, and there were two hospital networks that had, you know, said that women have to labor alone. And Cuomo came through. He made an executive order, I think, at the, God, time has no meaning anymore. But at the end of last week, he made an executive order that said that all hospitals, whether it's a public hospital or a private hospital in New York State, have to allow birthing mothers to have a support person in the room. Yes, Chris, uh, um, Andrew Cuomo. Oh, Andrew. Um, so I am very grateful that that happened. I really hope that uh, that's exactly how Los Angeles handles it. Hopefully we don't get to the same... Um, kind of dire uh, times that New York City is experiencing right now. Um, but in any case, I'm hopeful that Josh will be able to see his baby again. I'm hopeful for that for you guys, so. too. I really, I've been Thank thinking you. about it a lot for, I can't imagine what that's like to be worrying about that and wondering, and I'm sorry that you have to think about all that right now. That's all right. At least, you know. Right now, we had an OB appointment yesterday, and we were actually able to see our doctor, and, you know, he didn't really mention what's going on, because he's like, it's a moving target, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, our hope is that Josh will be able to be there, and we'll get a healthy baby, and all that stuff, but, you know, a lot can happen in, I think, seven weeks, three days, until I'm due. Seven weeks and three days! It's crazy, wow. yeah. Yeah. It's so exciting. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm a little glitchy on my side. I like on my own audio. I hope this isn't getting picked up in the recording, but we will see. It hasn't been. There have been like maybe two moments. Of you hearing me? Okay, good. Then maybe we'll just use your track again because mine might be weird. But anyway, um, I am going to put in the show body description. It's time to talk about Love is Blind because we finished. Yeah. So if you have not yeah. finished Love is Blind and you don't want spoilers, uh, it's in the description, but skip ahead. Maybe you just don't even finish the episode if you don't want to risk it, but we're talking about it. I'm back after you yeah. finish. Um, okay. There is so much to talk about, but one thing, I, you throw out what you want to throw out. I'll throw, we'll just play a little tennis if that works. That sounds good. Top of mind for me after finishing the reunion is this, and actually the whole show, is that Giannina and Damien, Yes. I don't know if I, I should probably go back and watch the episode again, but my memory of their first fight, which happened on the boat, mm-hmm. was Dame, uh, I was Damien. Sorry, that was not me. Damien's saying, like, starting to open a little bit of a door into his, like, issues with connecting and, like, some of, like, the stuff from his past. And then immediately, after Giannina asks, like, to go a little deeper, slamming the door in her face. That right. kicked off what ended up being the entire tumultuous season that they had, wherein I will say Giannina really said some shitty things to him. For sure. But the thing Giannina did not do was leave him at the altar. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I felt watching the 
reunion that she kind of professed this very deep, like after watching the show, I realized what I did to him and I am so deeply sorry. And I hope, I'm so glad I get to move forward. I'm happy that they're back together. I think they're a very cute couple. Um, and the way that they work through their conflict while a little tumultuous was like, they actually look like they can work through conflict. Like they can, they, yeah. they, they might yeah. have a future. I what I don't like is that Damien sat there with his dead face and pretty much just accepted it without saying he had done anything wrong throughout the season and like I just don't like where that bar is set for them in a relationship now that she is like already a place where like I fucked up my bad glad you took me back even though you left me at the altar um and hopefully you'll still keep liking me and you'll deal with my crazy like antics where it's like he has some work to do too big time work huge work yeah he shut down like he Yes, he opened up a door for a minute and then was like, I don't want to talk about it. You're not allowed to ask me about those things. Like, how dare you? Like, dude, right. then you got to go talk to a therapist about it then if you don't want it to be your partner. And that's not cool to make her feel like she did something wrong in that respect. And at least on Agreed. that boat, she did some stuff later. The sex comment, not nice. <laughs> no. Some other things here and there. <laughs> but he has a very easy way of telling her all the things that are wrong about her and he needs to hear it himself. Without looking in inward. Yes. That was, um, that was my agreed. big thing. What are, what are some of your Love is Blind takeaways? So the greatest thing that's happening right now um, in my life is that... Not your child you're carrying. Not the child I'm carrying. Just kidding, buddy. I love you. But I also love that uh, I watched Love is Blind alone while Josh was away for a weekend. And now that all of his friends have been watching it and losing their shit over it he's watching it and i'm not sitting and watching every single minute of it with him but i am experiencing it again in a lot of ways and we're gonna talk about messica because lordy 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 she was already my least favorite (laughs) after she makes me giddy i cannot stand her On a second watch, what became very, very clear to me is the only reason she accepted Mark's proposal was because she wanted to continue on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. She does not love him at all. Every time she says, yeah, we're so connected and all that bullshit, it is a very unconvincing act. He's He he should have known better, honestly, because... She, you know, when they were in the pods, changed her mind. And then at least the way it's edited, the next day comes back and it's like, I was just scared and I love you. Um, She flirts with Barnett right in front of him in Mexico. She doesn't make sense when she's drunkenly trying to make excuses as to why she doesn't want to sleep with him. Which I don't think a woman needs to make an excuse why she doesn't want to sleep with somebody. But she also is avoiding telling him that she does not have feelings for him and she's misleading him. Um, It's, it's just, it's, we're, we're currently on my rewatch. We are uh, just about finishing up Mexico and there's like one date that they go on that she's like, you know, I'm finally seeing that he's like goofy. Like she's trying to convince herself and the audience that, this could, in the realm of anything, work out. But a scene prior, she's like 
talking to Barnett and about Barnett and saying that, oh, he's exactly what I envisioned him being. And I'm so attracted to him. And that's even the thing. way that like you would want most of the interactions Jessica had were with Mark throughout the show. And you just see how yeah. tense and like uptight and like the way and, just, and the stuff about his mom, that, that scene on the couch, I was like, you are just totally fucking with his head. And then she'd sit down with Barnett and, I, and like, it was just like, she was having tea with her girlfriends. Like she was having the best. Yeah. I was like, that woman seems like a relatively normal human being, like, because she's clearly still in love with Barnett. Um, yeah. And that episode, you, I, I like, I want you to live stream Josh watching the episode where they all celebrate Barnett's birthday. And it goes from, uh-huh. like, one fight, which is, I think, between Jessica and Mark, Jessica being drunk, right into the fight with um, Giannina and Damien, and then right back to the bedroom with Mark. Yeah. I mean, I was just like, my jaw could not get off the floor. That was an incredible 20 minutes of television. It's so good. I, I, um, I, I really, truly loved it. And now it makes so much sense. I remember, I think I said this last week, but Nick Ryan said that he would pay $200 to watch it from the beginning again like a first time viewer it's so true although i will say the second <laughs> time i love it um i also um, just to, in the interest of control i'll delete um jessica at the reunion did her best to navigate a really really shitty situation very like, true very amber true. got extra as she had her right to do and she, and as is her way yes, as is her way um, and I felt like Jessica kind of like ate some humble pie and took her punches. Yeah. Mark dyed his hair very dark for some reason. Did you notice that? Don't know why. It was yeah. like pitch black, it, but it almost looked like green. <laughs> it's not a great dye job. I wasn't really um, no. Anyone else? Oh, Kelly and Kenny are worth discussing because I feel for her. I think she's like, I think she's got some some stuff to work through. In relationships. Yeah. I think that she lacks a lot of confidence. Yeah. Um, and I don't, but with that said, I don't believe for a second that she wanted to continue to date Kenny. Um, I think that she was butthurt that he now has a girlfriend and she's still single. Yeah, for sure. You know, I don't, because she, she was never into him on the show either. She wasn't attracted to him. I'm sure she thought he was a great guy, but the the physical chemistry was never there and she never wanted to be with yeah. him. So Oh, and we have to just briefly touch on Diamond and Carlton because mm-hmm. the show alone, I I I'm glad that Carlton in the reunion did his little like on one knee. I think that was just a plea for forgiveness for how he looked on the show because I do not want to like what Carlton has lived through in his life, I really believe has traumatized him deeply and he deserves to, to figure that out and what that means. But he did not give diamond a chance like that news and that information. While it could be debated whether or not that should have been said in the pod or out of the pod, when he broke it to her, he did not give her a space to breathe and process that at all. And that was not okay. She, she really deserved to have a, re- she could have had a much worse reaction and she didn't. She was just processing yeah. it and he lost his shit and shut and it down. Because he wasn't immediately like, yeah. well, that's okay. I love you anyway. He was on the And attack. I get that he's probably been handed a lot of bad reactions and that just got put into the same one because she wasn't immediately like, 
oh, boo, it's fine. Like, and very few people would probably just say when they're newly engaged to someone on a reality show, oh, boo, that's fine. Like, you have right. to give her that space to react. And he shut it down so fast. And then just from there. So I, I felt like in the reunion, Absolutely. he handled it well. Um, and I give, I hope they both find other people to, to make yeah. them happy. It's not each other, no. for sure. Um, he showed his, like, bad, his ass immediately when they got to Mexico. Like, he wasn't being loving or kind to her at all. And I think that it all stemmed from him anticipating her rejection. And I understand that that's a very human reaction that he was displaying. Not but he really, yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah. her fault. Um, I just want to, so there are two, two groups um, of thought when it comes to Lauren and Cameron. One is, oh my God, they're so cute. They're the sweetest couple I've ever seen. And the other is, uh, Cameron, please stop groping her and you're so boring and she deserves better. Now, when you say there are two groups of thought, are they the groups in your head or are are these like public? These are, so I am of the latter, as you might imagine, (laughs) because that is my cynical ass. But I have friends who are like, I just love them. I think that they're going to be great, all this stuff. Oh my God, Cameron is so boring. And every time you see the two of them on camera, whether it be the reunion or a press junket or during the show, he cannot stop touching this woman. Like, he is constantly claiming her. And it bugs the shit out of me. How are you married to Josh, man? I love his affection. She doesn't seem into how much he is like, I have to be touching you at all times. I find that I have not seen him express emotion in those 11 episodes unless he was talking about his breakups. Like, that was the only time I felt like I saw, like, true emotion from him. I don't even know if I ever saw him really happy. He was just always sort of, like, right about here in terms of emotion Unless he was talking about the yeah. breakups, and then you were like, "Oh, there he is! Like that guy's here," right. and that that makes me worry yeah. a little bit. He he looks like a guy who, I mean, not to stereotype scientists, but he may have been like kind of nerdy, and then he like started working out and started like dressing better and doing his hair. Yeah, hair. and he. Uh, but I mean, I guess I kind of fall more in the former category, but I also see the latter. Yeah. I mean, I hope they work out. I loved what he said about the dad. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. So. So. Control, I'll delete. Control, you know what? Lauren and Cameron, good luck to you. Um, Well, I'm glad we got to do that. That was fun. That was fun. Do you have any more? Uh, Yeah. So, Ozark season three premiered uh, last week, last weekend. And um, do you watch? You I watched don't. the whole first season and about I want to say maybe only three episodes of the second, and I had a really hard time following it. Um, and I just kind of got bored. I know it's hard to say bored on Ozark, but when I can't keep track of a story and it feels like it's more like I'm working <laughs> to watch, yeah. then I, I get turned off. I would argue that the storytelling in season three is a lot okay. tighter. Um, they're doing a really good job. The one thing 
the only problem I'm having right now is that they are so good with dramatic tension that it's like, now's not the time for me. <laughs> um, but it is, it's, it's so okay. good. Um, usually in past seasons, it's been very much Marty as Marty being Jason Bateman's character at the center of the show. And now they're really expanding to make Wendy, which is Laura Linney's character, her. like, yeah. And she's doing such an incredible job because she has that sweet face that, and like in uh, this season, she's very much like scheming and she wants to make it her way. And it's it's just kind of an incredible dichotomy that you're seeing in one actor. How much have you watched? Um, kind of. Uh, only two episodes, okay. but it's, it's really good. The end of last night episode, last night's episode was like, oh damn, maybe it's the third. I can't That's remember. Okay. I was just curious uh, how far you made it. Like watching the night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend if you haven't watched the first two seasons, you got yeah, time. You do. Binge that shit. Um, um, Speaking of, actually, I will say, I've told you this before, I believe, on this show a couple times, but you've never watched any of Better Things, right? No. I really, really think you should start it if you have room for a half hour in your life, because we've been, like, we'll watch, like, four episodes of a season and then stop, and then come back, like, three months later, because it's not, like, there's a story that's continuing throughout it about, I mean, Pamela and her three daughters, essentially, but each episode kind of lives as its own standalone story. And some of them are just like, it's almost like Louis-esque before Louis became Louis, where like you could sit and watch one and then take a break if you don't want to watch anymore. But there are times that it is the most, some of the most insightful television I've ever seen. She is telling such a unique female story that I really don't know why it's not getting more credit and there are certain episodes that i'm like oh like i need to remember that one and go back to it years from now as like it's just a little there was one episode last night that made me think of you that we watched last night we're on season three where she um she plays an actor like an actor who gets a good amount of work um but is still kind of at that level where people are like hey aren't you that person from and she's been cast in on this season in a like zombie like big budget hollywood movie and they're there, she's shining a light on how those actors, the ones that we like recognize but probably aren't making millions, are treated pretty horribly on set. And like, just in that, like, they are put like, like she, last night, she's put into a stunt situation that like no one has prepped her on. There's a driver who like is too young to be like driving them, and no one is giving them parameters of how to like handle this very dangerous driving stunt. And then she just has this like five minute monologue telling everybody that. And it, like, not to quote, but it kind of falls on deaf ears. It's not even, like, this Aaron Brockovich moment where you're like, oh, go get, like, you yeah. see it. And, like, you see how it realistically would play out when a woman who, under pay scale, says, like, speaks her mind, like, people probably aren't going to listen to her. But you still get that sentiment, you know? And I just think, like, it's such a it's such a flawed, nuanced character that I think you would really, really dig into. And I think you should start from the beginning and just see if you like it. Yeah. I feel like uh, I've heard great things about it. It's that in Schitt's Creek that everybody oh, Creek. is always like, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. Donnie has been like, just watch Schitt's Creek. Um, I don't know why, for whatever reason, I have a hard time watching mm. comedy. 
uh, like half hour. Um, but I I know that I need. Well, to I'll say better things verges more on drama than it does on comedy. Yeah, really? I think like it's very funny at times, but there are, I, most episodes end with me being like, "Woo, okay, that is what a, a woman, a, a, a single mom of three, is dealing with in Hollywood." Um, but yeah, I think I think you'd really enjoy it. So, and and to the rest of the people listening too, hey, hey, gay guys, <laughs> we know you're here too. <laughs> Watch better things. And uh, FX is like put all their content on Hulu now. So if you're a Hulu viewer, you have like all of FX. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, I have kay. one more. Uh, I want to recommend two books because uh, now's a great time to read. Although I understand that focus is not the easiest right now either. Um, I've talked about Bunny already on the podcast, right? Was, or did I not? About what? I, Bunny, the book Bunny. I have it. Oh, okay. So Bunny um, is a book I read back in February or January. Doesn't doesn't matter. It is by Mona Awad, A-W-A-D. It was my first like five-star read of 2020. Um, It's not for everybody, but I fucking loved this book. It's like a weird... The tone is probably closest to, like, Heather's. Like, it's a very dark, dark comedy. Um, And it's kind of a horror, but it's not scary. It's just, like, there are a couple parts where, like, things explode, but it's you're not invested in the things that explode, so it's okay. This isn't doing it any justice, but it's so good. It's so funny. I read it so quickly. Um, So if you're in the mood for something kind of weird... But interesting and twisty. I feel like you're dancing Bunny. around plot points, which I appreciate because I don't, I don't want, I, I want to know that you love it and then I can discover it on my own. Yes. And I will say um, a digression. I have guided two people through Love is Blind now, including, well, three people, uh, Mike and Steph and Josh. And I have not spoiled that show for That anybody. is, I'm not being, like, I know that's hard for you. And I'm really impressed. I'm gonna really You're going to be a great mother. I'm, thank you. <laughs> um, and then another one that I would recommend is called This Tender Land. It's by William Kent Kruger, who I'd never heard of before. Um, but he's a super prolific writer. And uh, it's kind of like an adventure story set in the Great Depression. <laughs> Which sounds like it wouldn't make sense, but it's, it's a really interesting story of these, uh, this ragtag group that escapes this kind of like orphanage school and they're trying to find a better life together. Um, the characters are great. The, the story that he builds is really pretty incredible. There are some historic um, touchstones like Hoovervilles and that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, I those are the two books that I'm recommending right now: This Tenderland and. Bunny. Thank you for those recommendations, and I, we've yeah. never talked. To, I, I think we should save it for next week. But I do want to hear your thoughts on how could she too. Yes, we'll talk about that next I would week. Like to discuss. Um, 
My last one, and I know that this one will be for you as well, but we have been given a gift from above in Dua Lipa Future Nostalgia, and it must be wigged out on. Um, Dua Lipa is the future of pop music. She is the only one doing what she's doing right now. I mean that in all sincerity. Like, I feel like you know me in a female pop bop, and we're kind of like, we have our icons, we have our Gagas and our like, you know, our Beyonce's and our Rihanna's that we're still like waiting and waiting and waiting for. And in the meantime, there's not a whole lot else to get in that genre. And I'm just so grateful for Dua Lipa in that moment. And it just goes to show like music producers, like when somebody like Dua comes along and she's been around for, which is her second album, like this, she won Best New Artist. Like this is not a discovery, but people like the album's doing phenomenally well. She is everywhere right now in a time when you can't be everywhere. She's doing tons of live streams. She's working her butt off and the album is a like 11 song masterpiece. Put the time into nurturing women in pop music again, promoting them, producing them, doing the work that needs to be done the way that we are doing for countless men in rap and countless rock bands and like, all these like dudes that continue to put out music whenever they want to because they have the machine behind them. I just don't see that with female pop and it drives me crazy um, because there's clearly a demand for it. And putting that aside, just to talk about the album, like it is 11 songs. Perfect. There is not a miss on the album. Um, I'm like, I've only gotten through half of it. Uh, So this, the latter half, you're just going to lose your shit because the latter half's even better than the first half. Well, the first half, I texted you yesterday. I was just like, I just want to put on some roller skates and go roller disco right now, which is never a desire I've had in my life before, but she makes me want to be better. And makes me want to roller disco. What's crazy about that is that, like, I thought you sent that specifically for um, Break My Heart, because Break My Heart is a roller disco song to like live and grow plants and and just like nurture your soul during this time too it is what we'll play this episode out on it's a monster and we'll get through this Lindsay, with roller skates and and full drag when we come out of this i will come out of this quarantine on roller skates in full drag i vow if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be very upset with you. Oh, that's a promise. And there are the helicopters. So maybe that's a sign we wrap this one up. Um, thanks for listening, Wigs. Yeah, it's so good to connect with you guys and to connect with you, You Paul. too. Um, comment on our post or send us a message on Instagram or an email. Give us um, We will be back next week with lots more fun. And uh, take care of yourselves and each other. I've always been the one to say the first goodbye Had to love and lose a hundred million times Had to get it wrong to know just what I like Now I'm falling You say my name like I have never heard before I'm indecisive but this time I know for sure I hope I'm not the only one
My heart.